Locked On Bruins, your daily podcast on the Boston Bruins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, Bruins fans, and happy Friday, October 16th, 2020. I'm your host, Ian McLaren, and this is a daily Boston Bruins podcast where we discuss all things spoke to be, as well as take a look around the NHL. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Chances are you came via Apple Podcasts, Spotify perhaps, Pocket Casts is what I use. Maybe you're listening on your web browser even. However you came to the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast, I would highly appreciate it if you hit that subscribe button. Each new episode will be automatically uploaded to your feed for you to download listen, and enjoy. If you could also rate and review, that would be very much appreciated. It really helps, especially for Apple users and ranking on the Apple hockey charts. You can find me on Twitter at ENC McLaren. A lot of brewing stuff, some dad jokes, other stuff in there as well. You can also follow me on Instagram, same handle. Speaking of Instagram, slowly building the podcast's account which you can find at Locked On Boston Bruins on Instagram. The Twitter handle for the podcast is at LO underscore Boston Bruins. On today's episode, there's not really much in the way of Bruins news, but there are some rumblings, rumors out there that we should touch on. Patrice Bergeron had a very informative interview with Fluto Shinzawa of The Athletic that we're going to touch on. And then, again, just take a look at some news and notes from around the NHL. First things first, Elliot Freeman dropped a, not a bomb on Twitter last night, but he said that he's hearing Mike Hoffman is considering a one-year deal for his next NHL home. If he does that, there's a good chance that he and Taylor Hall head to market next summer as the leaders in goals per game for all free agents 31 and under. Deja vu all over again. Now there is a big clamoring on Bruins Twitter for the Bruins to make such a move. We had Mark Savard blast from the past uh, tweet this morning that quote mind boggling to me that NHL team, especially a Canadian team. I don't know what that has to do with it. Doesn't sign UFA and proven goal scorer Mike Hoffman tags at Fridge. Hucking in Canada, when goals are tough to come by, if I was GM, this is a steal, and you know what you're getting. Then he tagged Boston Bruins NHL, which is the wrong handle for the Bruins, DeBrusque Krejci Hoffman. Now, here's the thing with that. I've talked several times over the past couple weeks that the Bruins have indeed already upgraded at the forward position. You look at the right side, you have Pasternak when healthy, Andre Kasha, Craig Smith. Mike Hoffman is a left-hand shot, so if you're signing him at, say, one year per $6 million, he would be playing on the left side of a line with, let's say, Krejci and Kasha or Krejci and Smith. If you're bringing him in, you're not putting him on a line with Jake DeBrusque because they play the same position, shoot the same way, and if you are going to sign Mike Hoffman to a one-year $6 million contract, that probably takes away the opportunity to re-sign Jake DeBrusque and preempts a trade of that younger winger for a defenseman. 
which is the clear area of need at the moment for the Boston Bruins. Okay, so Hoffman, bring him in, appease the fan base who's clamoring for a goal scorer, a very one-dimensional one at that. And then you have a trickle effect where some guys are taken out of the lineup as a result. Sean Ferris, uh, at Sean Ferris 98 who you should all be following, he put up a tweet this morning saying, I don't know who needs to hear this, but Craig Smith, Andre Kasha are both better players than Mike Hoffman, and their combined salaries are about what you're paying Hoffman on a one-year deal. It's amazing to me that people don't really seem to get this, and the fact that Sweeney has brought those guys in has improved the four core. You look at the opening night roster from last year. I tweeted this yesterday. You've got Danton Heinen, Brett Ritchie, David Backus in the lineup. Now you have Andre Kasha and Craig Smith over Backus and Ritchie, which is just a massive upgrade. And then, you know, Heinen for Bjork, Nick Ritchie, whoever you have there on the left side, you know, there's questions about whether or not that's an upgrade, especially, you know, with Nick Ritchie in there, who you'd love to see him moved out in some way. The best case scenario for the Bruins right now is if they're able to move out Nick Ritchie's salary, John Moore's salary, and move on from there. I, I still do not comprehend giving Kevin Miller any money on the first day of free agency when every dollar counts. But, um, you know, that's just where things stand at the moment. Now, speaking of the blue line, there's increasing questions about whether or not Zidane Chara will be back. His agent, whose name is Matt Keeter, he suggested... His client's return for another season with the Bruins isn't a slam dunk. They are assessing their options, and while Chara intends to take his time, and it's expected he'll be back with the Bruins once the dust settles, um, other teams have called, and he's not immediately shutting them down. Now, again, the biggest need for the Bruins is on the left side of the defense. You have... You have Matt Grizzlick penciled in right now as the number one defenseman. And then you have Jacobs Borrell, Jero Vakaninen, Jeremy Lozon, John Moore, all competing for those following two spots. Is that strong enough at the moment? Absolutely not. Is there a need for an upgrade on that left side? 100%. You lose Tory Krug. That is where the emphasis should be at the moment. The Bruins seem content to try to fill those holes internally or that gaping hole left by Krug internally but that is where the biggest need is Mike Hoffman does not solve that problem by any stretch of the imagination he's not a very strong defensive player a lot of his production comes on the power play and the Bruins are pretty well set in that area at the moment if you consider the fact that Charlie McAvoy is likely to step into um, Tory Krug spot as the power play quarterback. Maybe even Matt Grizzly gets a look there, but that's not the area of concern at the moment. So all that to say, I understand people wanting the Bruins to make a big splash to try to go after the best possible players, but they are in a cap crunch, so to speak, about $11 million available at the moment for Jake DeBrusque, for Matt Grizzly, uh, maybe even Carson Kuhlman, although I wouldn't, really care if they parted ways with him. Um, and 
hopefully to get Zdeno Chara signed, and that's without really taking money that could have gone to Tori Krug and filling that hole on the blue line. So I don't know what you want them to do. If you bring in Hoffman, it likely means DeBrusque would be traded, and you're elevating the age of the forward core, taking away a key piece for the future and for the present, to be honest, and you know, just having a gamble on a one-year deal for a fairly one-dimensional player. So, I don't know. That's where I'm at, at at the moment. I really don't hate the the Bruins forward core by any stretch of the imagination. I think as it stands, the top nine is improved over last year to begin. Uh, even in the playoffs, really. You have Marshawn, Bergeron, Pasternak, DeBrusque, Krejci, Kasha, Bjork, Coyle Smith, and that is looking pretty good. Then you still have, you know, Jack Stanika in there, uh, Zach Sanishin who could step in. There's guys who can fill those holes on lesser deals. And I would also argue that if you're going to add a left winger, why not take a swing at a guy like Anthony Duclair or even a low risk, potentially medium reward contract on a guy like Alex Galchenyuk who's trying to revitalize his career that's what I'm thinking I'm not sold on Hoffman at all I would have loved to have seen the Bruins give Evgeny Dadnov the kind of deal that he got with the Senators three years five million per that would have been right in the sweet spot for the Bruins but again it would involve shedding some salary elsewhere and altogether I don't think Don Sweeney is done trying to improve this roster so let's myself included, just show a bit more patience. Now, before we move on, let's talk a bit about Built Bar. Built Bar is quite simply the best tasting protein bar out there. It comes in 18 amazing flavors, nut and non-nut, and there are six new ones, including caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia. They're all gluten-free, which is important to me as celiac, uh, also covered in 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew. They're also great for the health-conscious person. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. They're low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, great for the keto diet. Now, right now, Locked On listeners can visit BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, and get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. Now, I mentioned Patrice Bergeron had a, a pretty extensive interview with Fluto Shinzawa of The Athletic. Just wanted to touch on a couple points from that now as there's, uh, yeah, some really interesting stuff. First of all, he said he's feeling good health-wise. The time off has helped with his groin. That's been a nagging thing over the last few years. He's back to working out, slowly ramping it up, uh, back in the gym, not yet on the ice, but uh, that will come. Now, we learned earlier this week that his line mates will likely be out to begin the season if it's set to begin in January. And he said, it's one of those things you can't really control, just focusing on himself and trying to get ready for camp. He said, it's always next man up for the Bruins. Once someone is injured, you had a guy like Jack Stanika step up in the playoffs. He said he wasn't sure who he's going to play with, but 
Maybe they'll be quicker in the recovery. A lot of unknowns at this time, but it's uh, not something he's entirely worried about. And neither should we. It's the beginning of the season. What matters most is the playoffs, to be sure. Bergeron talked about being in on the process to lure Craig Smith to the Bruins. He said he's glad it helped. General Manager Don Sweeney gave him a call, mentioned that Craig had some questions and he was happy to jump on and being available to have that discussion with him. What it's like to play in Boston, what it's like to be a member of the Boston Bruins, the type of team they have, the type of players and character they have in the room. He said he can't say enough about Boston, the players in the locker room, and obviously that had a role in bringing Smith to Boston. He had been in that position before. David Backus was a player that he helped bring to Boston. And, you know, it's something that he enjoys, I guess, and likes to help with that team building. Now, Tory Crew leaving is obviously a big deal. It's always interesting to see what the players think of that. And he said he's sad. He's going to miss, first of all, Tory as a person. A lot of people are thinking, oh, a left shot defenseman, a power play guy, all that stuff. He's thinking more about the person and the friendship that they've built. To lose that, it's going to be hard. No secret, the Bruins are going to miss him as a player and as a guy. That being said, it's the business they're in. It's tough to control that. You have no control over that as a player. You trust management, Don Sweeney, Cam Neely, and the rest to go with their plan. He wishes nothing but the best for Tori. They'll be in touch over nine years. That's what you create a bond, their families, their kids, things like that. Um, Now, in terms of Zdeno Chara, he said he hadn't really thought about the possibility of Chara moving on. He's not going to go there until there's been a decision made. Doesn't want to speculate or even have those thoughts going through his mind. There's lots of time. We'll see what happens. He is a great leader, a friend, someone he respects. And it's too early for him to make those comments for any of us, really. Like I said earlier, Chara is getting those calls. Obviously, teams are going to be interested in seeing if he's willing to sign somewhere other than Boston as he waits for the Bruins to sort things out. But until that happens, um, I don't think it's, yeah, I guess the worst thing. But having said that, while I'm okay with the Bruins kind of not hitting on big wingers or scoring wingers in free agency. If Chara actually doesn't come back, that will be pretty difficult to get over as a Bruins fan for sure. I mean, you look at his game from a hockey perspective, it might not be the worst decision for the Bruins to make. He's not close to what he once was, but it would certainly hurt to not see him retire in black and gold. Uh, You know, It does make sense to give some of these kids a look. Uh, I understand he's lost a step or two or three. He's not the same player that he was. Uh, But yeah, for him to be willing to continue playing and it not be in Boston, that uh, that would be tough to see for sure. So do check out that interview with Bergeron in The Athletic if you have a subscription from uh, Fluto Shinzawa. Some really good stuff in there from Bergeron's perspective. I don't really know what to say else about the Bruins in particular at the moment. It's been a week since free agency started. They kicked it off by signing Kevin Miller, which, yeah, 
was not a mistake per se, but I don't really still understand the need to rush handing out 1.25 million when you're already up against the cap and have some other contracts to get signed. Tory Krug walked and that seemed to have ended badly. They did sign Craig Smith, which was a positive. They gave Jacobs Borrell a one-way deal, which signals his readiness or their readiness at least to see what he can do in a increased role at the NHL level and also brought in some depth players. But like I said, we've seen the Sabres come in and swoop Taylor Hall. We've seen the Senators sign of getting Dadanov. We've seen uh, nobody yet jump on Mike Hoffman. And there's a lot of angst in relation to not improving the team that way. But I just suggest considering the implications of that. Do we want to say goodbye to Jake DeBrusque? Do we want to say goodbye to Brandon Carlo? Do you want one of those players traded to make room for a guy on a one-year deal? Or do we want to try to fill the biggest need, which is signing DeBrusque, signing Grizzlick, and shoring up the defense? Uh, Mackenzie Weger's name is out there. He's a very tantalizing option for the Bruins, although a right-hand shot, so maybe that means uh, a guy like Connor Clifton has moved, or who knows what happens there. But um, there are still options available. There is still time for Don Sweeney to improve this team. I'm not saying it's perfectly constructed by any means. Uh, you always want to look to improve the team, bring in the best possible players under the cap, of course. And um, I think up front, at least the Bruins are improved over the start of last season with Kasha and Smith in the mix with Bjork having stepped up and taken a NHL role with Bergeron, Krejci and Coyle down the middle. That's a real luxury to have those three great centers as well as Sean Corrali uh, on the fourth line even. So yeah, there's still time. We don't even know when opening night is going to be. Don't even know when training camp is going to be. So um, there's no real reason yet to judge the roster as currently constructed because chances are it can and likely will change at any point here in the next few weeks. Let's finish up with some other news and notes from around the NHL. And it looks like the trade wins in Winnipeg are growing and Patrick Laine could be on the move. Pierre Lebrun of TSN reports the agents for Laine denied speculation, suggesting the 22-year-old winger wouldn't report to Jets training camp if he's not traded. However, Laine knows he's been in trade discussions and given his lack of first-line minutes, his agents believe it will be mutually beneficial to the player and the team if he's dealt before training camp. They added there's been clear communication with general manager Kevin Sheveldayoff, and it looks like this is a thing that could happen. Um, that Patrick Laine, number two overall pick a few years ago, could be dealt to another team. Again, yeah, if he's available, you got to entertain that. Um, Imagine a right side of Line and Pasternak. That would be pretty remarkable. I don't know if the Bruins would be in on that, but it could certainly affect things in the Eastern Conference if he is moved over to a team like Philadelphia, who I believe is most in the mix 
for his services. I mentioned the signing of Evgeny Dadanov in Ottawa. Would have really liked to have seen him. Comparing him and Hoffman, I think Dadanov is the more complete player. And a real bummer that the Bruins couldn't get in on a three-year, $15 million deal for a guy of his talents. Joe Thornton is playing for Switzerland's HC Davos. Played there during two previous lockouts. Um, Like I mentioned earlier, there's some growing speculation that he might sign with the Toronto Maple Leafs, which would be not great. But um, I think he would probably go back to San Jose at this point, especially with Patrick Marlowe back in the mix. Uh, I would love to see him finish his career in Boston, but doesn't look like that is going to happen. And finally, a report in the Toronto Star suggests the effects of COVID-19 on NHL revenue could be generating more concern among team owners than originally expected. He points, this is Damian Cox, not a great Twitter presence, but um, here we are. He points to Vegas owner Bill Foley's recent remarks contradicting the league's official position of returning next season on January 1st with full 82 games. Foley noted his peers are getting nervous. We all thought we'd be out of COVID by now, he told an interviewer. He also kind of let it slip that there could be an all-Canadian division due to the ongoing border closures. Foley believes the NHL will return on February 1st at the earliest and play a reduced schedule to be completed by the end of June because the NBC has, not the NBC, but NBC has rights for the Summer Olympics in July. There's no reaction yet from Gary Bettman regarding Foley's remarks, but the Golden Knights owner seems to be saying out loud what's being discussed behind the scenes, and uh, I'm sure the league office isn't too happy about that with this uh, most, I mean, not most newest, what is that, the uh, newest owner in the NHL kind of talking uh, out of turn, so to speak. Anyways, I think that's it for today's episode of the Lockdown Boston Bruins, a bit shorter as is typical for Fridays, just kind of winding down for the weekend. I hope you are all doing well and you've had a good week. It's It's been a long one around here, uh, but just plugging away and trying to always stay positive, take things one day at a time. And it's great to have this Boston Bruins podcast to uh, take our mind off things, to think about our hockey team, even though they're kind of causing some angst right now. Uh, it's still a joy to root for this team, and there's a lot of positives uh, still to be found. Like I said, uh, my wife and I are starting The Haunting of Bly Manor, which is very entertaining. Also continuing through Sons of Anarchy, which I'm really starting to love. And also, um, what else? Yeah, trying to catch the final season of The Good Place, uh, which which uh, is pretty good so far. So yeah, I hope uh, you all have a great weekend. Try to relax, get outside as much as possible. And we will be back on Monday with another episode of the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your favorite team every single day.